The Start On Demand. On demand. Ukraine remains front and center, and we had much to discuss today. We visited with Global's David Aiken to talk about Canada's commitment to Ukraine and to find out what else our country can do. We also got reaction from a former Global Winnipeg colleague, Anya Nazaravich, to discuss how she feels about the situation given her Ukrainian heritage. There was a massive crash on Highway 1 between Brandon and Verdon on Thursday, and the province says... It's doing everything it can to keep our highways safe. But we spoke to a trucker today who says that's a load of hogwash. And we had some fun talking about times that our loved ones dropped in unexpectedly, like an Ohio reporter whose mom drove by and said hi while he was trying to record his television hit. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Friday, February 25th podcast for the start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this Friday morning on the start. And while we, well, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I I love our Friday shows because it's Friday. Yeah. But um, obviously today's mood uh, will be a little bit different because, uh, Loren, of course, I mean, yesterday you mentioned uh, that you were doom scrolling on Twitter and I think anybody who is remotely paying attention to what's happening uh, to U- what's happening in Ukraine it's impossible not to to do that I, I spent almost all day yesterday uh, just uh, going through social media and reading up as much as I could and um, yeah it's uh, there's a lot it's well, we're in such a different time here watching this unfold in front of us. And at 9.35, we had a defense analyst on yesterday talking about just the difference of what's happening here right now. We've never seen anything like this before. It's an invasion on a European country. We haven't seen that in, you know, 80 years. Talking about the fact that, you know, we have seen wars unfold or invasions or attacks unfold on television, but... Uh, Social media is now playing a huge role, and you're seeing people who are in their homes as planes fly overhead, as bombs drop, as babies scream in the background, posting their accounts on different social media platforms. There was, you know, a dad who was saying goodbye to his kid yesterday on the bus as he stays back to fight that was making the rounds on social media, and people were working to verify that video. You know, is that true? There's all these things going on that you're watching, like, in very real time, and it's so very different than to how anything we've ever experienced before. And so you're at this distance, but still so connected. And and I think, you know, there was people all over Canada and all over the world yesterday who were asking the same questions we were, you know, where does this go? How does this end? What does this look like? Kids, you know, my own kids were asking, mom, what's happening? Like, is this something we, could that come here? Is that going to happen here? And you try to keep the TV off and the radio off as much as possible for the younger ones. But just this world we're living in right now is so connected. So you hurt for the people there. And then you're thinking, well, what's next? Where does this go? And I think one of the things there was, I had such so many opinions yesterday and thoughts about what's going down. First of all, you know, in Ukraine right now, they're telling men 18 and over to stay put, to stay, to stay to fight so they can't leave. And you're trying to imagine what that would feel like if that was somebody you knew over there, if that was your kid or your dad or your uncle or your brother. And they're, and they're staying behind for that moment. That's something we haven't talked about since, you know, almost conscription times here in Canada. So you're having those thoughts. And then you're watching in Russia them protest over this, Greg, and the very 
protesting in Russia comes with far greater penalties than anything any Canadian could imagine, right? Like you can go to jail instantly for protesting in that country, depending on what you're angry about. And yet they're taking to the streets. And so I had all these highs and lows yesterday just trying to figure out how to feel about everything and, and, and how to explain that to the average person in terms of what, why this is so crucial that we not turn our backs, that we not turn our eyes away from this. Yeah, you know, I just mentioned to you uh, both on our, our chat here, I'm surprised at how much information is still managing to flow out of Ukraine, out of Russia. You mentioned right. those protests late yesterday afternoon. There started to be reports of of gatherings in Moscow, of anti-war protests, and then very quickly the the, the reports of a declaration of those protests being deemed illegal. And then very late last night, maybe early this morning, the gigantic crowds that were that were recorded in St. Petersburg and in Moscow, absolutely mind-blowing because you do know what's on the line when people take to the streets uh, in Russia. So that was one thing. As I mentioned, the fact that this information is still flowing, I'm surprised that Russia hasn't knocked out all the telecommunications in Ukraine. So you still have television reporters live on the ground. We're seeing these heartbreaking Uh, overwhelming videos uh, from Ukraine, from families uh, under attack and these uh, separations. And as I mentioned to you guys also yesterday, that's where my heart was. My mind was immediately when this story broke. It had to do with families. It had to do with kids. It had to do with uh, young men fighting for their country. Uh, You know, my my kids are 15 and a half, and I can only imagine that there are there are boys um, similar, if not their exact age, who are going to decide to fight for their country, whether their parents want them to or not. Uh, there are going to be there are going to be families who are separated. There are going to be families that are making very difficult situ- decisions on on how to move forward. Do we send? Do we send everybody to Poland? Do we send everybody elsewhere if we can? All the different decisions that, heartbreaking decisions that need to be made in this modern contemporary country that is under attack. 43 plus million people in Europe, in these large cities, and it's just, it's overwhelming. And so trying to sort that all out, Brett, is, uh, it's going to be a tough time for so many of us. We continue the conversation on Ukraine as the Ukrainian president says both military and civilian areas in Ukraine are being hit by Russian attacks with air raid sirens sounding in several cities throughout the country for a second straight day. Russia's military continues to surge towards the Ukrainian capital of Kyiv where the sound of explosions are becoming more frequent. Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov says diplomatic negotiations will begin once, quote, democratic order is restored in Ukraine. Secretary of State Antony Blinken said the capital could well be under siege as U.S. officials believe Russian President Vladimir Putin is trying to overthrow the government of Ukraine. Ukraine's president says he's learned he's target number one for Russian forces. ABC's Aaron Katursky is in the western Ukrainian city of Lviv. While a number of people have been packing up and leaving, Able-bodied men have been told to stay. We know the border checkpoints have become clogged with people trying to get out here in Lviv. The streets uh, are, are 
much quieter. A number of the shops have closed, and we've seen people dragging suitcases and jugs of water toward cars as they try to move to safer ground. Brian Clark, ABC News. So you heard in that report the fact that men in Ukraine had been told to stay behind. So what happened yesterday is the Ukrainian president ordered a general military mobilization. So that means the conscription of reservists for service and a ban on any male citizen age 60, 18 to 60. And that came from the State Border Guard Service. So anyone from 18 to 16 years old in that country who's a male can't leave right now. And you can imagine how people there are feeling, let alone the people around the world watching this unfold. And in Manitoba, we said yesterday there's like 160,000 plus Manitobans of Ukrainian descent. Many might still have family back in Ukraine and are watching and waiting to see how their family might react. Are they going to go? Are they going to stay? And what kind of decisions might they be making? Manitoba Nick Manitoba Nick Krawitz says his father-in-law made the choice about the military days ago. He's a bus driver in Kiev, and actually a week and a half ago, he enlisted in the volunteer volunteer reserve brigades in case an invasion may happen. Um, so you know, this is crazy stuff, you know, to think of, you know, sixty five year old elderly man signing up for the volunteer brigades to defend Kiev. Um, it's amazing. Yep, that is amazing. Um, incredible courage. Uh, we. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Nick, thank you for sharing that with us. And Canada and the United States imposed stiffer sanctions yesterday with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau saying they were specifically targeting 58 individuals and entities, including members of the Russian elite and their families. But when it comes to sanctions, there is still more that can be done. And many are wondering, why not do it now? Global's Mercedes Stevenson with the answer to that question. There's a few reasons that may be going into this calculation. The first is political will of our allies. Uh, essentially, the G7 NATO countries want to act in lockstep because it's more powerful. But some of those countries could face significant economic consequences for action taken, including Canada. There's also the desire right now to leave an exit route for Vladimir Putin to perhaps fall back and not try to hold all of Ukraine. And concerns that targeting him in particular could lead to a bit of a Trumpian response, where if he's challenged, he becomes more aggressive personally. But I did ask Prime Minister Justin Trudeau if sanctioning Vladimir Putin is on his radar. This is what he said today. The key thing on sanctions has been uh, to come forward in a coordinated way uh, with all our allies, and that is the unity that is uh, most damaging uh, to the Kremlin uh, and to uh, Vladimir Putin, that uh, we are all unequivocal and united on this. So it sounds like it's potentially on the table. There are more sanctions coming, but they need the buy-in, obviously, of all the allies in order to do that. In the meantime, there are other things that can be done as well, including banning Russian oil and gas from Canada. It is imported here. The prime minister would not commit to that today. And, of course, the Ukrainians are asking for things. They are asking for things, including weapons and support. Take a listen to what the Ukrainian charge d'affaires told me. They need helmets. They need tactical armored jackets. They need firearms. They are ready to fight, but they need ammunition. They need uh, equipment, and then they need arms. Yes, indeed, we need more. Whether or not Canada decides to provide more lethal aid remains to be seen. So there's a lot of people weighing in right now about the effectiveness of sanctions, including some of our listeners. And in the 6.30 News Run with Jeff Brom, we had a clip from Prime Minister Trudeau who was talking about, you know, sanctions can work. They can be effective. And he pointed to the ending of apartheid in South Africa. And, and yes, for sure, there have been countless papers written about how sanctions helped 
get to the end of apartheid. But I think the firsts were imposed in like mid 80s, maybe 86. And apartheid didn't officially end until 1990. So it was still a months slash years long process to end what was going on there. And they only they work best in countries that want to trade with you. And so, yes, there is trade with Russia for sure. But will these latest rounds of economic sanctions make a difference right now? And I think there's a lot of people weighing in to say, no, they won't. Yeah, and unfortunately, a big part of Europe uh, is dependent on Russia for their fossil fuels. And so there is and has always been that reluctance to lock down that trade and to go the sanctions route because guess what? Uh, it, what's the whole, uh, what's the saying about cutting off my nose and spite my face? Uh, yeah, that might be what you want to do publicly, but there is, uh, there is for every action an equal and opposite reaction. And for Europe, some of those countries can't ha- handle the reaction. This comes from WSYX ABC6 in Columbus, Ohio, and the tweet reads, A mother's love. This is our Miles Harris. Is it because of the... This is my mom. Hold on. Uh-uh. Hi, baby. <laughs> I'm trying to work right now. You over there calling my phone. This is D'Angelo. You can say hi. And don't be holding up traffic because you got cars behind you. Did you record that? <laughs> so he's getting ready to try to record a hit, and he see, he sees his mom roll up and hi, baby. So I just thought that was really cute, and that got us thinking of times our parents maybe dropped in unexpectedly or surprised us with something. Tell us a story. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Loren, why don't we start with you? Well, this makes me just think of the idea that like I used to be really against the popper inner. You know, the person that just pops in, just popping into the house. I'm just popping in. And you're like, I, just text me or shoot me a line that you're going to be popping in. And especially if you're coming from a distance, like, what if I'm not here? But man, I love a popper inner now. And I do anything to have more popper inners in my life because the pandemic, of course, has limited some of that. One of the greatest surprises I had was with my mom. It was my 30th birthday. And I didn't have any inkling this was happening. Uh, a friend of mine just, we had this apartment and it had a rooftop overlooking the CN Tower in Toronto and we were just going to go up there to have supper that night uh, for my 30th and then the next day there was supposed to be a party and I get upstairs and I turn the corner and who's sitting there but my sister who's flown in all the way from England and my mom who's come in from Minnedosa and I literally just dropped to the ground and started bawling because I think I've said this before in telling this story You don't know how much you miss someone until they're right in front of you. And you just think, oh, my gosh, I needed you. And it wasn't about the birthday. I really feel like they both, my mom and my sister, knew that, you know, I I needed to have them with me at that time. And it was awesome. So I like surprises and pop her in or any (laughs) time. Okay. And uh, Jeff Braun, how about you next? Yeah. uh, Also with the pop in, when I first moved to the city in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, my dad would every now and then just pop in, which was always a surprise because I was in Winnipeg and he lived in Eltona at the time. So it was an hour long drive. He'd be in the city for a meeting or something like that. And then he'd just pop in to take me out for dinner or something. So I'm always, you know, glad to go for have a meal with the old man. But uh, like Loren said at the beginning, when you're young like that, it's like, you know what? Uh, 
call first, Dad. It's not that hard. You just let me know that you're going to come, and I could actually, you know, be ready to go for dinner when you arrive kind of thing. So n- now, yeah, also like Loren, I would just be thrilled if you just showed up out of the blue uh, for any reason. So, yeah. <laughs> well, if you bring food, you can come over. <laughs> food and a shovel, judging from the pictures outside your place, but yes. And a toboggan. Don't forget the toboggan. <laughs> Poitras. Uh, when I was away out working in like Alberta and BC, uh, my mom would send me these care packages and uh, most of the time she didn't tell me that it was coming. So I would kind of just, uh, you know, get home and there'd be a, a tag or something or something in my mailbox saying, hey, you got something at the um, at, at the post office. So I'd go and pick it up. And usually it was just like regular stuff uh, like salt and pepper. She'd give me toilet paper, like kitchen utensils and stuff like that. But I always requested that there be a loaf of winnipeg rye bread of some sort it would either be natural bakery or or city bread it doesn't matter to me i i love both equally and i i switch back and forth between the two depending on how i'm feeling that day um but the winnipeg rye you could get in calgary was crap it was old by the time you already got there and i i made that known to my mom so she she always made sure to to include a uh, a loaf of winnipeg rye bread so thanks a lot mom always appreciate it <laughs> greg well, I guess it was the pop-in that I did on my mom in November of 1991. I'd moved to Calgary, and uh, the Grey Cup was going to be in Winnipeg. And a buddy of mine had a situation with his girlfriend. He's like, Greg, I got to get home right away. But I don't have a car, and there's no way I'm taking a bus. <laughs> Can you drive me to Winnipeg? I'm like, you, you, you want me to take a week off work? And dr- yes. Okay, so... It was decided we would come to Winnipeg, and I walked in the front door. My mom was on the phone with one of her friends, and I'll never forget. Oh, my God, Greg, he just walked in the door. I got to go. <laughs> and uh, I never seen my mom genuinely so surprised Aww. because she was a surpriser. She liked to surprise other people. So to be able to surprise her like that, uh, one of the highlights of of uh, my relationship with my mom for sure. Four so days. wait, you told her, sorry, just you told her you were coming or you just decided you no were coming? She had no idea. Okay, uh, that's what no I, She had no idea and I'd only been that's in awesome. Calgary for a couple of months. Mr. Forte? When I was 20, I was doing an internship at a radio station in Flin Flon, Manitoba. Yeah! <laughs> well, I was all alone. I, you know, I didn't even have cable. I didn't have internet. There's nobody there. I was bored, lonely, and I was spending my 21st birthday all alone. So I'm working at the radio station, and uh, the receptionist says, Hey, Jeff, uh, there's a package here for you. So I go down, look, and there's a birthday cake and some balloons. My parents had uh, got that delivered to the radio station. So just, you know, it really, really brought me up. You know, you're all alone, and all of a sudden, boom, cake. What kind of cake? Yeah. I can't remember. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I can't remember. It's just birthday cake. <laughs> uh, so here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868. Tell us about a time where your parents or one of your parents dropped in unexpectedly, surprised you, just, oh, I wasn't expecting to see you here like uh, a few years ago. I don't know, six, seven years ago on my birthday. Uh, I came <laughs> came inside. I was outside having a smoke, and I come in, and there's my mom sitting in the newsroom, and <laughs> she brought me KFC for lunch for Aww, my birthday. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> she had done, she had done it for me one time in grade four, and I oh. used to talk. At, so she brought me KFC to school, and she always threatened she'd do it again. And she showed up at work, and it was just wonderful. So, in grade four, wasn't that awesome? Were you not just pumped, or were you embarrassed? Is oh. that the embarrassed age? Um, 
At first, embarrassed, but when I saw she had KFC, I was like, okay. <laughs> Give me some of that skin. 11 herbs and spices yeah. trumps all. Some public venues in Manitoba say people will still have to show proof of COVID-19 vaccination even after the province lifts the requirement next Tuesday. The owners of the Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose say they will keep the rule in place for National Hockey League and American Hockey League games until April 30th. We are listening to our clients, our fans that say I'm more comfortable if the people around me are are fully vaccinated. So we did a survey a large majority of our fan base, our clients, indicated that was where their comfort lies. And so we're just protecting our business, quite honestly, and, and maintaining that policy. So the voice you heard there is, of course, Kevin Donnelly. He's the Senior Vice President for Venues and Entertainment of Trunor Sports and Entertainment. So again, he's talking about that vaccine requirement being in place until April 30th. And as far as Mac masks go, no mandate, but fans are going to be strongly encouraged to wear them past March 15th, which is when that provincial mask mandate lifts. But again, they won't be required by True North. I think that that's an evolution that everyone's going to have to develop their own sense of comfort. I mean, effective March the 15th, you would walk into an elevator and there's not an obligation for other people in that elevator to wear a mask. You will go on a city bus and there's not an obligation for people on that city bus to be wearing a mask. So uh, we're going to be a mask-friendly environment. We're going to encourage and recommend mask wearing. If you're not comfortable, your, your options are to tuck that thing as tightly as you can around your nose and, and, and have a good quality mask. Have an N95 that best protects you. Um, but I think that there's an evolution that needs to happen to all of us as we get more comfortable with masks not being as commonplace as they are today. All these orders, Richard, were meant to be temporary health orders and health protection measures for us, and, and we're seeing the end of it. They, they were temporary, and we have to get to a state a state where we are comfortable uh, with these mandates lifting. So Kevin Donnelly was, of course, talking to Richard and Julie on the news yesterday afternoon. He referenced in that first clip the fact that they heard from their fan base. And in case you're asking, here's how True North came to these decisions. It was a, a lot of discussion internally. And we did a couple surveys recently that just asked our, our fan base, our constituents, what they were most comfortable with. And, and it came back quite resoundingly that that the continuation of keeping the audience restricted to uh, vaccinated fans only was the preference. So um, that's that's where we're rolling, at least through the end of the regular season. So that will take us to April the 30th. And, and then the mask, uh, the, the mask compliance, we felt was something that we could eat more easily or um, follow along the provincial health guidelines. So when that when that province wide goes to a recommended status, we're going to follow suit and allow our fans a bit more comfort while they're in the building and to have the option of wearing a mask or not. Okay, so one yeah, of some... the questions you might be asking, Greg, is, is about who, which games this applies to and which events. That's right. So Kevin Donnelly had this answer for that. We've made this uh, decision and determination on the events that we control. And it's important for people to, to recognize that the events that come in, we're, we don't always uh, are the deciding entity behind it. Um, we rent the building to lots of incoming promoters. So we're going to allow them, just like the concert hall is doing, we'll allow the promoter of the day, the decision maker of the day, to determine what policy they want to adhere to, and then we'll enact that. So if, for example, a show wants to be open to um, 
the entire population base, whether they're vaccinated or not, we will we will uh, allow that, and we will just not ask for vaccination status when they when people enter. Um, in all cases, we will let that mask mandate follow the public health guidance. But this decision today is just strictly for moose and jets. We're going to have the moose and the jets be on the same the same page. So, vaccinated patrons only till the end of uh, end of April. But concerts and other events, we'll be asking people to go to our website or uh, Ticketmaster site to check what the what the rules of that day would be. And of course, uh, Donnelly also mentioned the fact that staff would remain uh, masked, uh, at least for the foreseeable future. This is a big move in my view. The Jets aren't filling their, filling their building at the moment. A huge game in the standings last Saturday afternoon. Just over 12,000 people in the building, well under 13,000. So to essentially eliminate 10 to 15% of your potential ticket purchasers when you're operating at less than full capacity is a genuine listen to those who are coming to the building. Donnelly says the move is to protect its business. I'd have to suggest it's not without some risks, though, Brett. The risk of alienating fans who haven't been in the building for two years, those people uh, might not be very happy about this move. On the lighter side of things, we are asking you to tell us about a time that your one of your parents or both your parents just showed up unexpectedly, surprised you for a chance to win some Rick Mercer tickets. What do we have uh, from Dwayne? Dwayne says, morning, guys. My parents lived in Ottawa and myself here one morning at work. I'm out in the back shop when another employee came to find me to tell me that my father was at the counter. The whole, whole way back to the counter, I was like, He's in Ottawa. I talked to him last night. There's no way it's him. Sure enough, it was. Had a great little visit. My only regret is that I didn't take the rest of the day off to spend with him before his connector flight to Vancouver was supposed to leave. Rest in peace, Dad. That from Dwayne. Thanks, Dwayne. That's great. That is great. And we have a listener right now. And I don't want to say his name just in case the person he's going to pop in on is also a CGOB listener, although they're in Saskatchewan. But he's on his way right now to do a pop-in, making a eight-hour trek for a popper-inner. So I'm excited to hear how that goes. I love when people make those surprises. Do you remember last year when we shared that audio uh, from that woman who hadn't seen her son in two years because of the pandemic? And so she flew back to Winnipeg from the East Coast to oh, surprise yeah. him. There is nothing better than that feeling when you're just so excited to see someone and they are completely shocked to see you so that's great oh that's that's awesome and this was inspired by a, a columbus ohio reporter who was getting ready to record his his hit and then he stops because his mom is rolling up and she shouts hi baby and uh, it was just it was funny because you know he's a young man but in that moment you could see him sort of return to being a, an embarrassed kid he's like really mom and even his his body language and his language his, like his voice changed and uh <laughs> so i uh, was just i think it was a really adorable moment it's time for the couch potatoes to assemble jeff braun do you approve of his cover of mission impossible mission accomplished yes yes <laughs> finally win we got to tell you about some stuff 
that's uh, coming out this weekend and uh, next week. Stuff to watch, including something that uh, I thought was a prank, but uh, I, don't, I know Greg's actually excited about it. The first thing is on Netflix. It's a spinoff series of one of my favorite shows of the last decade, which was Vikings. It was on from 2013 to 2020. Uh, Co-Canadian produced show, by the way. Uh, it was co-produced by Chorus Entertainment. It aired on the History Channel, and it was awesome. And no, I'm not saying it was awesome because it's uh, I'm a company guy. It was just a great show. And now we have a spinoff called Vikings Valhalla. <laughs> So it's set over a thousand years ago in the early 11th century. It takes place 100 years after the original series, and it just follows some famous Vikings and uh, like Leif Erikson, his sister Freydis, Eric's daughter, and the Nordic prince Harald Sigurdsson. And um, if you watched Vikings, it's basically the same show. They're still fighting with each other. They're still fighting with England. They're still fighting over religion, whether or not they should turn to Christianity or stick with their old gods like Odin. And uh, it's amazing. It's super violent, super fun, great performances. I loved it. Eight episodes. It's now available on Netflix. Got to watch it in advance. Can't recommend that enough. And if you never watched Vikings, you could still watch this and enjoy it. You don't need to have seen any of the previous series. So that's on Netflix. And, Jeff, there's something coming next week on Crave. Yeah, on Tuesday, a documentary about the man that brought us Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's the Larry David story. I'm a total fraud. (laughs) And the Curb outlet for me is this guy I want to be. He's completely honest, just the opposite of who I am. And it's a thrill. I got lucky, and I'll leave it at that. A two-part documentary from HBO, again, airing on Crave here in Canada. Both parts coming on Tuesday, and it should be pretty, 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 pretty good, I would think. Uh, It's always fun to delve into the mind of Larry David, so I'm looking forward to that one. And the one that we know Greg's looking forward to, it's one of the new movies out this weekend. It's called Studio 666. It's a comedy horror about a band that moves into an Encino mansion to record a new album, and the band is Greg's favorite band, the Foo Fighters. They got to record their 10th album, but... But something goes bump in the night in the house. Got a couple of ideas I've been working on. I'll lay them on you. Dude, wait, 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 wait. It's called Everlong, and you wrote it about 20 years ago. Let's finish the track. Can't we just wait, dude? So, Mackling, are you going Why to see this? Why are they doing this? Why is this happening? Why not? Because Why? they can. Oh, they are weird. at this point in their career. They have more money than they know what to do the with. giving up They points? are the rock and roll band <laughs> on the planet. And why the hell not? That's why they're doing it, Loren. Because they can. You know, the Foo Fighters have been famous for their artistic videos since they came on the scene. And they fancy themselves as sort of actors in the first place. So... I won't be running out to see it this weekend. I've got other plans, but I, I will be seeing this, and I will be seeing it in the theater. <laughs> I think you will have to go either this week or next week if you want to see this in the theater. <laughs> You're it's suggesting not be it there won't last long. there that long? This is yeah. going straight to Blu-ray or whatever new technology <laughs> you can watch 3. movies on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll adjust my plans accordingly. Sounds horrific. Thank you, Thank you Coach Potatoes. <laughs>
I love Lorenz disdain for this, the giving up point of their career. And I'll just quickly mention uh, another movie out is called Cyrano, and it's just you know another take on the classic tragic love story uh and it's this time Cyrano de Bergerac is played by Peter Dinklage and uh so he loves Roxanne this is a love story do we think the, uh, okay it is I get it but it's the one I saw was creepy sorry continue <laughs> well it's you know oh. it's a it's a you know a complicated web of love he loves Roxanne uh. but she loves Christian and Christian doesn't know how to talk to women but Cyrano is a poet so he uses his words he helps Christian say the right thing but really he's saying what he wants to say to Roxanne and there is one red flag with this because they don't show it in the trailer really but this is a musical and they've been trying oh, to no. hide that and i'm always suspicious of a movie that's trying to hide something like that it's getting good reviews anyway that's out in theaters as well couch potatoes airs saturdays <laughs> at noon sundays at six and you can also listen to the show in podcast form that is now available at cjob.com and anywhere you get podcasts jeff braun thank you sir you betcha Prime Minister Justin Trudeau will be meeting with heads of government of other NATO countries to discuss the situation in Ukraine. Yeah, that meeting's at 9 Eastern. And of course, it follows a move yesterday where Canada and, of course, other countries announced a range of measures in response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Many people are wondering, are more actions, more sanctions potentially coming? David Aiken is our chief political correspondent and joins us now from Ottawa. Good morning, David. Morning, guys. What's happening today? What's on the Prime Minister's agenda starting at 9? Yeah, I think that's where you start. This is a NATO meeting. So this is, uh, you know, obviously NATO is the military alliance. And uh, NATO leaders, including the Prime Minister, will be um, looking to coordinate more activity to protect NATO members. And yesterday, Canada made some significant military commitments, um, sending, uh, sending a, uh, a battery of artillery to Latvia. Latvia doesn't border Ukraine, but it does border Belarus, and we know Belarus has been a bad actor here. Uh, Canada also committing some naval assets. Uh, the HMCS Halifax, with 460 soldiers on board, um, will depart. Probably will take a month before it can get to Eastern Europe, but the Halifax will be there. That's a frigate. Also operating already in the region is HMCS Montreal, region being it's in the Mediterranean, so at least it's a little closer. Um, both, both the uh, Montreal and Halifax will join a NATO maritime group, so we'll likely get some more details on that. And then also Canada sending a Canadian Forces cyber warfare team. And we did hear yesterday that military officials saying when Russia attacked, it was on all domains, all military domains, land, air, sea, and cyber. That's an increasingly important part of the military action. So Canada is sending a cyber warfare team. Important to note, though, both the Canadian prime minister and the U.S. president saying at this point, neither Canadians nor Americans are expected to engage in combat with a Russian soldiers on Ukraine soil. But Biden yesterday noting that that NATO and the U.S. are ready to defend, as Biden said, every square inch of NATO soil. And of course, Ukraine, not a NATO member, but many countries in the region are. David, uh, the Prime Minister receiving some criticism for comparing sanctions against South Africa to sanctions against Russia, but that's the card they're playing right now, and Canada and its allies have really responded with uh, some targeted sanctions against some very specific individuals, in fact. 
Yes, and yesterday the Prime Minister talked about sanctions on 58 uh, uh, entities or individuals. In fact, it's much more than that, and the government released uh, the list, uh, the actual name, the individuals, and the entities last night. And in fact, it's uh, it's uh, 31 members of Putin's Vladimir Putin's inner circle, and so this means that those individuals, no Canadian, either here in Canada or anywhere in the world, is allowed to help these 31 uh, you know Putin insiders help them with any financial transaction, any disposal of property, or any. Anything like that. So you got the 31 members of Putin's inner circle, all 351 members of the Russian Duma, that's the Russian parliament. So these are all members of that parliament that voted in favor of recognizing the independence of eastern parts of Ukraine. So they're all sanctioned. 27 key financial institutions and other businesses are sanctioned. And four Ukrainians have been sanctioned. These are Ukrainians identified by Canada as being pro-Russian agents that are engaging in disinformation. Of note, Vladimir Putin himself, not yet sanctioned. What about the humanitarian response? With thousands of Ukrainians fleeing the country, is there a move to help those who want to get out? There is, and that was sort of the third, uh, the third um, leg, if you will, of Canada's response. First of all, let's talk about Ukrainians that are already here in Canada. There are many, of course, many may already be in Winnipeg or in Manitoba. Um, those Ukrainians whose work permit or study permit or visas are expiring, the government is ready to extend them. So Ukrainians already here will get the chance to stay here if they'd like. Um, next thing, getting Ukrainians out. So first, Canada is deploying uh, overseas consular staff to countries in the region to uh, make it easier and uh, and quicker to get uh, the paperwork process. The paperwork burden is being lowered, so it will be easier for Ukrainians to get visas to come to Canada. But here's the thing you may have seen overnight is the Ukrainian president has made it illegal for men aged 18 to 60 to leave the country. Ukrainian men... They're needed, um, and you, and right now there's martial law in Ukraine, and so the the president said no man aged 18 to 60 is allowed to exit the border, even if you know a Canadian official was standing on the other side of the border in say Poland, ready to offer a visa. It's illegal for those men to exit the border. David, we have just a minute left here, so I just wanted to follow up. You mentioned no sanctions yet against Vladimir Putin. I know Trudeau said yesterday they're working to fall in line with other countries so that they're sort of all agreeing on what should happen next. Is that what's stalling sanctions against Putin himself? Like, why not, is the question for me. That's pretty much it. That The, the sanctions, uh, the G7 and NATO think, have to be applied in concert. Uh, so there's the Putin sanction. Here's another one. There's something called the SWIFT financial network. This is a global network that banks use to trade payments and things like that, that international banks use. Ukrainians had asked, uh, asked the G7, kick Russia off of SWIFT. That would do a real body blow to the Russian economy. That's the Ukrainian ask. And yesterday when the G7 met, Boris Johnson, the UK PM, said, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's kick Russia off SWIFT. And I'm told that uh, same thing, Justin Trudeau supported uh, Johnson's uh, Johnson in that matter to kick SWIFT off. But other G7 members were not in agreement. They, there was no consensus on that yet. But that is still sort of in the toolkit should NATO or G7 members uh, want to take further steps in that regard. David Aiken is Global's chief political correspondent joining us from Ottawa. David, thank you. Thanks, guys. Cheers. From the Ontario border all the way to Saskatchewan, the Trans-Canada Highway is open. 
And that sounds like an obvious statement, except for it hasn't been obvious for days, Brett. Hasn't been obvious on and off, quite frankly, through January and February. We haven't really had that full open Trans-Canada Highway for days. One week ago, of course, there was that blizzard that shut down sections of the number one in and around Winnipeg for at least 48 hours. And then on Saturday night, Brandon got some ice rain that fell. And that combination of ice rain and freezing temperatures has really been causing problems ever since. It's been closed on and off west of Brandon pretty much since last weekend. And there was an accident yesterday, a massive pileup that closed it again. Three were sent to hospital. And while that scene has since been cleared and the highway, yes, as Brett says, is open, drivers really still have a lot of questions about how this highway is being maintained, Greg. Yeah, you might frame it this way. The the highway is open for now. Dave Phillips has spent 20 plus years driving for Bison Transport, joins us this morning on The Start. Good morning, Dave. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And thanks for doing what you do for a living. I know it's a demanding occupation, so we appreciate you immensely. Hey, describe what the last few days have been like when it comes to Highway 1 and the Trans-Canada at, at the Saskatchewan border, essentially. Well, you all have seen the show Highway Through Hell, and that's basically what the Trans-Canada Highway is. Uh, 17 years I've been doing a Winnipeg Regan, a turnaround switch five days a week, so I see both sides of Saskatchewan and Manitoba. Over the last five years, the maintenance on the Trans-Canada Highway is getting worse and worse and worse. And the problem that we have here compared to other provinces is Saskatchewan, Alberta, if it starts snowing or it's freezing rain, they will be out there all day and all night salting, sanding, and getting the snow or trying to get some of the water off the road throughout the entire night. In Manitoba, after 7 p.m., these roads are not touched until about 5, 6 in the morning the very next day. So for that 12-hour period, if it's freezing rain, it's becoming inches thick. And even if it's a light, light snowfall, it's hitting the road, it's melting a little bit, it's getting packed down by the trucks. And then by that time, 6, 7 o'clock comes around, it's an inch of ice on there. Now, we've all shoveled our driveway trying to get an inch of ice off our driveway. It's not easy. It's the same thing with the highways department. You throw salt down, that salt's not even going to take effect for about two or three hours until traffic and the sun hits it. So now you got three hours of a total ice rink before the salt or whatever they put on it even starts taking effect. And that's what's happening in Manitoba. Uh, the accident in western Manitoba, that, that's been a ticking time bomb for years to come. Uh, the worst stretches of the Transcona has been from Brandon to the Saskatchewan border, uh, mainly up to Burden. It's usually been the worst. And Portage Prairie into Winnipeg. And anyone that lives in Portage Prairie and works in Winnipeg, they'll tell you about the white knuckle driving they're doing almost every single morning. And it's because no one's been out there for the, for the province sanding or, or taking care of the road system. So then they wake up and it's like, oh, now we have another two inches of ice on the road. Now, we've heard from drivers who say the roads can be clean and clear in Ontario. You referenced Saskatchewan, but as soon as they hit the border here, there are those issues. So we asked Manitoba Highways to respond. Uh, we just want to play a clip here, Dave. Uh, Tara Liskey is the Executive Director of Regional Operations for Manitoba Infrastructure. She says Manitoba deals with the roads pretty much the same way other provinces do. We get the same weather as they do. Of, of course we do. Um, we have the same operations. We sit at the table with our counterparts and we discuss different operations and, and 
how we all can service our roads. We do have three different levels of roads, winter levels of roads, and after snow event, our primary highways um, are cleared within four hours. What do you say to that? <laughs> four hours, that's funny. Uh, let's put it this way. With the rain event that we had last last Saturday, a week ago, uh, that freezing rain event, that event hit most of Saskatchewan, Regina, everything up to our Manitoba border, and we just got a little taste of it around Brandon. We just got a little bit of it. Within a day, Saskatchewan roads were drivable. They weren't 100%, but they were drivable. In Manitoba, it's been five days, and the road's been open and closed, open and closed uh, between Brandon and our, and our Saskatchewan border. You tell me that the same services are being done in both provinces? I think not. And, and that's exactly, they can say what they want. And, and we can't do every highway in the, high, in the system. It's just too much. But when you have a highway that links all the provinces together, like the Trans-Canada Highway, this is a highway that takes special preference. That's like having the Highway 400 in Ontario and not doing any sanding or salting on it during a snowstorm. It would be and, chaos. And Dave, I wanted to just ask, we only have less than a minute here, probably 30 seconds, but the economic impact of that, it's one thing to be shut down for a few hours, but you've been on and off shut down trying to get west, get back east for almost a week now. So what does that cost for a day or for the average load trying to get somewhere? Uh, well, the drivers, they, they don't end up working for one, so they can't feed their families. Uh, the biggest thing is a lot of the stores in Winnipeg get their supplies out of warehouses out of Alberta and B.C. If we can't get that supplies to Winnipeg, the store shelves are going to start going empty. And right now, just our company alone, we probably have about 250 trailers that have been sitting for a week because we can't move them into Winnipeg stores because there's just too much that's, that's collapsed on us all at the same time. We can only move so much so fast. And when the road's closed every single day and we have to reroute it, someone has to pay for it. It's going to be the customer, the shipper, receivers. But when we got to take that trailer 200 extra miles, we can't do it for free. It's just poor business sense, and it's going to cost the customer, the consumer, that extra 20 cents for that loaf of bread or that product that they're buying from the store for their kids. I think we can all agree technology and the ability to travel has helped create a global public square of sorts. Our world is shrinking. Well, images of the invasion of Ukraine are readily available at our fingertips any second of the day or night. Yeah, and when it comes to the technology we carry in our pockets, Brad, in no time flat, we can view our photos from days and journeys past in an instant. No searching for and going through a photo album, no giant screen and slide projector to relive or share life's precious memories. Yesterday, in the avalanche of Twitter posts about what's happening in Ukraine, I came across a post from a former colleague of ours. Four pictures featuring blue skies, and breathtaking scenery and pictures of beautiful, old, if not ancient buildings in Ukraine. One of those photos also featured the beaming smile of our next guest. Let's say good morning to our friend who created that post and shared her memories. Good morning, Anya Nazaravich. Good morning. Thanks for making the time for us today. 
It's great to connect with you. I really wish it, it wasn't under these circumstances. Anya, tell us about those pictures. Yeah, circumstances are not uh, great, obviously, but uh, yeah, you, you said it perfectly. We are able to look back at these pictures with, with such fond memories, and that was during my trip when I went in 2017 for uh, a very close friend's wedding, and that was also my experience with um, a true Ukrainian wedding, which was uh, seriously incredible. And so I went there and we, uh, the wedding was at the beginning of the trip. And then I just got to walk around with, I was just there with a, a big, big group of friends. I wasn't with any family, but uh, yeah, we just got to live. And we were in Lviv uh, for, for 10 days. And that was my first experience with being able to see where my great-grandparents came from and just kind of experienced the, the lifestyle that my parents have kind of uh, helped us live at home in Winnipeg for our whole lives, but uh, never neglected to kind of make sure that this was a, a huge part of our lives. Yeah, because you've been involved uh, over the years in in a number, I think, of events, if memory serves from your social media, uh, as it pertains to the Ukrainian community. Yeah, we are super, super involved with Folklorama when it when it happens here. I volunteered since I uh, could probably form a memory. Um, I started handing out suckers to people waiting in line, and now I um, wait tables there and serve liquor and and you know perform there as well because we grew up Ukrainian dancing, and my dad grew up Ukrainian dancing, and my mom grew up singing in a choir here, Okosha's Choir. And uh, now we, my mom and I sing in a choir together called Mellis. Uh, so yeah, we, we work and we perform uh, at Folklorama each year. And, and then, of course, just other events around the city that are, are constant because the, the community in Winnipeg is so, so large. Yeah, it's a massive community. We've been highlighting that a lot in the last couple of days and weeks, Anya, just the connection that hundreds of thousands of Manitobans have to Ukraine. And, and whether you've ever been there like you have or you you haven't, so many people are feeling that, I think, today. And I'm curious, when you watch what's going on over there, and, and you're probably even seeing landmarks that you saw, you know, like the church that's in the backdrop of some of the live shots, the, the square, mm-hmm. you, you you can relate in such a different way. And so what have you been thinking and feeling over the past couple of days as you watch what unfolds there? Yeah, it, it's funny because it, yeah, it, like you said, it doesn't matter if you've never been there. Like I'm, I'm a very lucky third generation Ukrainian who's been able to go back and and see these places that we hear about or we see pictures of. But it is um, a a pretty great feeling of hopelessness. Like I sit here on vacation right now, staring at beautiful mountains, and in this hotel, and I'm safe and. I, you know, can can go outside and walk and not fear for my life. And you think back to when you were there walking freely when there was no war going on. And it's very, um, yeah, hopeless because what can I do? I can't, the most I can do is, you know, share my experiences and think about the beauty of it and donate if, if I can and, and, just pray that people there can find safety or leave or, you know, it, but it's still even just horrific to think about um, the fact that some, you know, some people won't, they, they can't. So um, yeah, but it is nice to see 
the community really rallying and even just friends of ours who aren't Ukrainian standing with us. It's, it's very encouraging here. Anya, ironically here, I'm looking at CNN and Jim Shudo is standing in Lviv. It's 4.42 in the afternoon there. And he's standing atop a building and you can see these amazing structures in the background. Can you take us on a little bit of a virtual tour of Lviv? What is that city like? How big is it? What sort of, <laughs> you know, food did you experience or nightlife? Can you can you give us a little bit of a of a tour? Yeah, I if I could only assume he's probably standing at the top of uh, the like city hall tower, which actually the picture that I shared is where that is as well. So if if that is what I'm thinking, then that that's probably where he's standing. But um, yeah, I stayed in. We we got a little apartment just kind of off the city center. So um, yeah, I mean cobblestone streets and sidewalks, which when you're walking in heels is not ideal, um, but very authentic, very old. Uh, there is a very vibrant nightlife. Um, you know, places are, are very, very lively and fun. And the food, you can you can find traditional, but you can also find like McDonald's or sushi if you really wanted to. But um, yeah, it is, it was very interesting to go for yeah like you you go we experienced this one uh restaurant that was in this old kind of looked like a a townhouse almost and super traditional very dark inside um bars where you have to have a password to get in and then you go um underground in their old war bunkers that have turned into restaurants and bars and um that's where you find a lot of the history as well there'll be people walking around singing folk songs or something like that to your table and and you're, you know, eating the authentic food. And I mean, but yeah, like I said, then you can go and get like a bagel sandwich at the corner. So <laughs> um, it's a very healthy mix, but you can tell at least that the um, the culture there is still super, super vibrant. I mean, the markets we went to are like shopping malls. They're huge. Um, and I mean, you're sitting there looking at Baba, who literally made this blouse right in front of you. And, and there's, 16 just like splattered on this you know what looks like clotheslines but they they've basically formed it into a wall of of embroidery and and yeah it's just incredible Anya you mentioned feelings of hopelessness what do you do about that and or what what can mm-hmm. other Canadians do uh, as it pertains to you know just reaching out to to those who might have ties to Ukraine yeah, that's a, a good question. I I have had a lot of people actually reach out to me and it's it for me I was like kind of taken aback at first. I was like, "Oh, that's just that's so random and so nice." But um it when it's become, you know, six or seven people reaching out or people responding to the stories and stuff that we're sharing on Instagram um or Twitter of just saying, you know, we're thinking of you or we, we're praying for you and yeah, it's it's very. Um, I mean, do that. <laughs> it feels very nice, and it feels um, it's nice to know that even people who aren't Ukrainian are thinking of their Ukrainian friends and wanting to do something to to make them feel better or 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 donate if they can. Like those types of things. That it feels uh, like our community has grown with so many people who aren't Ukrainian who just you know look at that and how can you not look at that and just feel gutted but i mean in terms of 
I, I don't know everything that's out there, but I, I know there are a couple legitimate uh, places for people to donate and so, so much great information being shared. Um, some stuff that people should obviously, like, you should verify your sources to make sure it's legitimate. But, um, yeah, there's and there's a lot of, I mean, ask your Ukrainian friends, what would you like me to do? <laughs> um, they'll probably have an answer for you. And, and what it might just be, you know, just stand with us. And that could very well be enough. And some of the only things we can do while we sit here and, and just watch. Anya Nazaravich, former Global News colleague here in Winnipeg, thank you very much uh, for joining us. And uh, hopefully you can manage to enjoy what's left of your vacation in mm. spite of what's happening. <laughs> thank you guys so much. Greg, who do we talk to every Friday just after 9 o'clock? Well, we visit with her at this time. You can visit with her Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. till 9, as she anchors the Global News Morning Program on our friends at Channel 9, Cable 12, CKND, Winnipeg. We say good morning to Gabrielle Marchand, of course, uh, on my uh, Shaw TV. It's uh, Channel 101. Good morning, Gabby. Good for you for getting that out. I can barely get out a good morning. You're watching Global News Morning, and I work on that show. So if I could <laughs> if I could get that down pat, that's how I'd open the show every day, and maybe people would want to join me. We'll see. We'll work on it. So Okay, now. Okay, you're always so hard on yourself. I am. But uh, we want to know if you have any unusual <laughs> skills or talents. Set aside the television skills. Anything that you can share with us? Because earlier this week we were talking about a BC musician who opened a typewriter repair shop over the course of the pandemic. So it got us thinking about some of our passions outside of work. Super cool talent, man. I love that. Well, I grew up and uh, my parents growing up were the type of parents who made me feel like everything I did was worth paying attention to and special. So shocker, I ended up in TV, but um, (laughs) I, I, tap danced and now as an adult every now and then if I've had a few drinks I, I bring my tap shoes with me to every city I move to obviously not everywhere I go that would be weird if I was going to parties with my tap shoes <laughs> in my purse I should start doing that actually I might do that but uh if when I have people over if I've had a few drinks sometimes I'll bring out my tap shoes and I think of it kind of like an adult talent show and I think people are going to be interested the way my parents were when we do it in our living room as kids and generally, people aren't. They're like, we don't care about your tapping. What? Your tap yeah, no, I'm not kidding you. Why? Oh. I, I think I think tap dancing is one of the a. It's super cool, and b. It's one of the most pleasant sounds I can think of. Yeah, maybe I'm really bad at it, and this whole time I thought I'm okay, and that's <laughs> what's actually happening here. But I'm not gonna make people watch for like ten minutes. You know, I just want to do a quick little thirty second routine with my drink in hand. You know, maybe put on a song you like. I'll tap to it. Bum, bum, I'm doing moves for Brett right I now. I love this. I, I can't believe I haven't seen this before. Well, you bring over a box of wine to my apartment and I'll do it for you, Loren. <laughs> All right. On it. <laughs> All right. Adventures in snow clearing. Yeah, so many. I guess every Manitoban, for people listening, kudos to all of you because we've all been through it. When I used to live in a more rural community, uh, the driveway got really plugged up with ice. Like, this is where you shovel, and then you can't get any further down. So I got out a hoe, and I was chipping away at chunks of ice, trying to get rid of it with a hoe. But here's the thing. This guy across the street has a snowblower, basically a completely clear driveway. He gets out the snowblower, and he's kind of giving me the eyes like, 
I'm doing so much better than you. And he's clearing off barely any snow from his driveway. And then we had this awkward eye contact where I wanted to be like, hey, bud, come over here and help me. And it didn't happen. So that's my question. Mm. If you have a snowblower and you see somebody out struggling, dripping sweat, taking their winter jacket (laughs) off, they're so hot from plugging away at the snow and ice, do you go help them? It depends how committed they've been to clearing their own snow throughout the winter. Oh. You know, I like to help people who help themselves or people like uh, one of my neighbors is a is uh is a police officer works odd hours so when i can i clear his snow for him but mm-hmm. uh you know if if you're normally just ignoring your yeah. driveway you're not getting any help from me who was it yesterday that has a neighbor that just or was it a listener that just said they like to watch their neighbor because they never clear and that like three yes. times a day they get stuck in their driveway and they just stand there watching them There's and no you would feel bad in the neighborhood for that right. individual you can't feel bad for the person who never shovels okay so the truth comes out the person who texted you is probably the person with the snowblower <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brett what about you do you have any adventures in snow clearing uh, snow clearing adventures um, well I, I, I remember when we had to get my uh, my buddy out. He, uh, during the, the massive blizzard in 1997, um, it was 97, right, Mackling? I'm drawing, a, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on yeah, that. Yeah, 97. Okay, yeah. So he, uh, he lived in East St. Paul, but he had to stay at my place that night because he knew he wasn't going to get home after work. Um, and he ended up st- staying at my place for like three days. Hmm. And we finally had to dig him out, but we had to dig out like half of the street to oh. get him to get him out, so that was fun. Twas the winter of nineteen ninety seven. Many Cheetos were consumed. <laughs> That's actually fairly accurate. And uh, before we let you get out of here, Gabby, favorite smells? Oh, what is my favorite smell? You know what? Anything really? We always talk about this: cheese, deep fried popcorn. <laughs> oh, the smell of popcorn! I was in the Canada Life Center vicinity buy a moose game it was close to a moose game the other weekend and i almost ran in there i wanted to be like can can you guys just let me buy popcorn and leave is this like a movie theater just let me through the doors let me get some popcorn and i'll be out of your hair i swear the smell of popcorn i tell you i wish they made it into perfume i would wear it would you wear that loren yeah no like i love the smell of popcorn but then it gets it's like all things it gets to a point where that's all you can smell and I love it when I walk into a small town rink and the popcorn is permeating through the air. But then eventually, like your skin and your clothes and your hair, you're like, go home and you smell like popcorn. So I guess if you like that, that's great. <laughs> Touche. You don't want to bathe in it. I get it. I get it. I don't it. know. Just, like, you, you, yeah, it feels like you have to go wash your clothes immediately because you just still like smell like popcorn six hours later. Mackling McGarry McNabb, we are talking about the times when our loved ones surprised us when they just dropped in and showed up. Like the, there's an Ohio reporter who was trying to record a hit and his mom rolls up beside him and shouts at him, hi, baby. And it was really cute. So we have tickets to give away for Rick Mercer, Just for Laughs, Comedy Night in Canada, Burton Cummings Theatre, Friday, May 13th. Mike is one of our runners up. And Mike, uh, thank you for this. I laughed so hard at this text. When I was in my 20s living with a buddy, 
My mom decided to pop in with three of my aunts to show them my new place. Little did she know we had just smoked a massive joint (laughs) and the living room windows didn't open. So we were madly trying to air the place out before they knocked on the door and they walked into the pot cloud of all pot clouds. And then what, Mike? I need to know what happened after that. What's mom say? What did the aunts say? Good question. I'm going to follow up with Mike right away. (laughs) Okay. This is another great story from a listener who said, back in the day of playing hockey outside for Oxford Heights, We were a family of four boys, one girl, and one parent, my mom. Raising five kids, she wasn't always able to come to my hockey games, and wouldn't you know it, the one and only time I get a breakaway, who do I hear from the crowd? Yeah, my mom calling my name to go faster. And so, yeah, I turned my head and looked in absolute surprise and happiness, and out of nowhere, the goalie came and took the (laughs) puck from me. A very embarrassing moment in my hockey career, but a very warm feeling in my heart that my mom was finally at one of my games. The only game I can remember, and it was the best game. Never did make it close to the NHL. I became a piano player, a sport my mom was happier to support as it was indoors. Thanks, guys. I love that story. That is super cute. And Oxford Heights, Transcona, baby! Yeah. There you go. Greg, who is our winner? Teresa is our winner with this story. While I was a U of M student, I lived in the Speechly residence for several years. My dad would come into Winnipeg for supplier trips for his business every few months, and sometimes we'd go for breakfast. One evening, he showed up unexpectedly at the residence and called me to uh, ask me to let him up. When he arrived on my floor, he had my cat with him. This cat loved to go for car rides, and my dad had decided to make arrangements to bring her along, even with a small litter box in his work van. I was so glad to see him and, of course, my cat. But what I didn't expect was that most of my floor mate neighbors would be happy too. For the next hour or so, my cat was a hit, getting lots of attention. One of my friends was a grad student from Macau, and he was in tears cuddling my cat. He told me later that seeing the cat reminded him of home. He hadn't seen his family in two years at that point. My dad died last summer in palliative care at my brother's house, and the last few weeks of his life, he was most comforted by my brother's cats. I miss him so much. That's from Teresa. Thank you so much for that, Teresa, and congratulations. What has Teresa won, Brett? Teresa has won two tickets for Rick Mercer, hosting Just for Laughs Comedy Night in Canada, Burton Cummings Theatre, Friday, May 13th. Congrats, Teresa. Thanks to all for participating, as always. The stories are all amazing. Mike's responded, his mom was not impressed. Oh! (laughs) And his aunts... We're very conservative, he says, and they were oblivious. So. <laughs> they didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> we are going to combine Black History Month with our love of our neighborhoods. I grew up in, I mean, just mentioned it last half hour, Transcona. I now live in Osborne Village and love it. I've lived in the Cordon Village, loved that. I love walking in Crescentwood and River Heights. Mackling, you're proud of your roots in which neighborhood? West End forever, baby. And Loren, remind us where you grew up? No, you remind me where I grew up. That's how this is going. Minidosa! <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, if you want to wear that neighborhood pride, there is a clothing company for that. It's called YWG204, and its founder is Emerson Brewster, who joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Mr. Brewster, good morning to you, sir. 
Good morning. How's it going? How's it going? We're doing all right, bud. So listen, what's your neighborhood? Where'd you grow up? I grew up in EK. Sorry, not Transcona, because people mix that up with Transcona. <laughs> um, East Kildon, and there's a line, KP Mall, and then there's my yeah. side, Kindy side. And hang on, <laughs> how, how do you feel at, when you got labeled a Transconian versus an ek Well, that, that starts fights. <laughs> 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 no high neighbor over here. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, I used to love it when people used to try and stretch the boundaries of the West End too yeah. far into St. James or into the downtown. Like, when you're from that neighborhood, you're very familiar with what the boundaries are supposed to be, right, Emerson? Exactly, exactly, exactly. But now I'm on courting, so I'm a courting guy now. So, so, why, so why do you think we have such pride in our neighborhoods, Emerson? <clears throat> I just think that it's like it's just a party where you brought up and wherever you go, it's like where, wherever you're from, you hear people talk about what area they're from. When you talk to people right away, they're like, oh, I'm from St. James. It's just where you brought up. You love where you grew up. And I think it's represented that way. Yeah, I, I, I was interviewing somebody yesterday who's from Winnipeg, and I missed the classic, you know, which high school question. And, uh, you oh, know, yeah, that yeah. is the has the ability to tie us and to find our, our common people. So that ties into our pride of our neighborhoods, doesn't it, Emerson? Oh, yeah, 100%. Or the best, as people say. I'm from East Kildodin, but I'm raised in the North End. And you know they're from East Kildodin, but they want to say they're from the North End to be cool. So it's funny. <laughs> it actually is. I didn't know this was a thing because, as Brett was saying, Emerson, I grew up in Minardosa, right? Born and raised there, a small town. And so, yes, we have some small town joking rivalries. But it wasn't until I moved to Winnipeg that I realized how serious people took it. You know, even when we were reporting the news, if you got it wrong, oh, yeah. you'd get a lot of people writing in, even if you were just one street off. And I don't know if this is different to other cities I've lived in before, or if this is just the way people feel about their neighborhoods. But in some respects, I think it might be a truly Winnipeg thing. What's What do you say about that? I agree with that. Definitely a Winnipeg thing. <clears throat> Wherever I go or you talk to somebody, like I said earlier, the first thing that comes from my mouth is like, where are you from? What area? You know, small city, but we all represent our areas. It's funny. So you've turned this into this love of neighborhoods into a business, or at least you've, you've incorporated that into your business. So what inspired you to, to do that, to, to make the clothes that you sell uh, neighborhood centric? Well, there's a friend of mine, his name's Bob, he's a break dancer, and one day he just came up to me and said, Emerson, you gotta you gotta do something different and he's from Tyndall. So he's like, I'm going to this competition and I love Tyndall, so I'm gonna represent Tyndall and then we just started rolling with it from there on. So then I started getting different people asking, Do you have this city, do you have Charleswood, do you have this it just started going unraveling into this now. Okay, I wanna clarify this though. We're not talking Tyndall, Manitoba. We're talking Tyndall Park, right? Tyndall Park, yes. Not Tyndall, Manitoba, no. Because <laughs> there is a distinct difference. There's a huge difference there. So I didn't want to. I didn't want you to get too far down the, the story, Emerson, without making that qualification. Tyndall Park, yes. <laughs> so then how did that evolve over time? I, I love the YWG part of it you know we've heard the peg city and we've heard the 204 but the ywg the airport code is starting to pick up steam in a lot of different cities in terms of where you live 
oh yeah, well, I was just trying to figure out the different way to say it other than Winnipeg. And I was like, well, let's just go with the airport code and the, and the phone number code there. YWG 204, that's Winnipeg. So that's how it just started off like that. And it just took off. What's the response been? What are you hearing from people? Oh, I always get positive response. People keep asking for things like that. They want to pay. They want to, before they go away, somebody wants something. Everybody always wants to represent Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. It's a love-hate city, but when you move away, you want to represent where you're from. Yeah. So, That's for sure. So as we mentioned, we were, we're this is a combination of celebrating our neighborhoods, but also celebrating Black History Month. So, Emerson, what does Black History Month mean to you? It means a lot to me growing up, you know. We, well, you're just different, and things were just like, when I grew up, it was totally different. We didn't have nothing like Black History Month to celebrate anything, right? And now you're learning a lot more things. Actually, I'm learning a lot of things about what's going on in the prairies, about Black people in the prairies hmm. now. And it's just funny that I never learned in school. Like Percy, a guy who, Percy in 1921, he had a checking shack here, and had jazz musicians playing all the time. I didn't know that. So it's just funny to learn as you keep going on now. Well, it's funny. I'm... Go ahead, Emerson. Oh, no. So it's great to learn. You're always learning something mm-hmm. new, right? Well, yeah, I'm, I've had this open on my browser. I'm trying to find more information on the 1950 Winnipeg Buffaloes. They were the MANDAC. I guess that stands for Manitoba, Dakota League champions. And they weren't an all-black team, but they were pretty close to an all-black team. And uh, this, like I say, goes back to 1950. And I found a story about them on uh, Western Canada Baseball at the plate.com website. And it, and it has incredible pictures and the roster of the entire team. But that's it. And I can't find anybody who has any stories about this team. And, and, and I'm fascinated to learn more about this. So I can only imagine what it's like when you're learning about something that's attached to, you know, more closely to who you are. Exactly, yeah. Like, see, I didn't even know that until you just told me. <laughs> you learn something new every day. I didn't know that. Well, just how, to find information is really hard. How important is that then, Emerson, to have that, like, expansion of what we're learning? And I know it's it's part of the curriculum in schools in some cases, or schools are doing their part to make sure. And you talked about growing up and not really having that, and then how you're even learning stuff now. I mean, it's pretty crucial to get these stories going so that we have a better understanding of, of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Exactly. I, I just figure we need to find more information. I don't know how we can get it, but I know it's out there. I just wish we had more for it when I was younger, but this is good for the kids now to learn for Black History Month. Emerson, YWG204, where do we find you if you want to pick up a shirt to represent our neighborhood? 290 McDermott. 290 McDermott. Or you can, McDermott, yeah, or you can actually even follow my page at YWG underscore 204 on Instagram. The oh. website is coming up soon. And I know it's YWG, but uh, what 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 are the chances of getting uh, a special uh, Minidosa shirt for Loren? Oh, well, I, 
I can get something mixed up. I'll get something for her. And I'll personally drop it off for her. Oh, I like Minnesota it. I like where pride, this is right? Minnesota That's pride. right. All right I Just got don't put Minnesota. Lots of people do that by mistakes. Drop <laughs> the T. Autocorrects the Minnesota all Yeah, the put in a D, drop the T. If you're going to do it, it's got to be right. That's all. I'm going to do and it right. If on the back, and if on I'll the back, it. Emerson, you could put a Nipawa with a big X across <laughs> there it. There you go. I know that's probably contrary to your branding, but uh, <laughs> if you can make an exception, that'd be great. I can do all that for you. Whatever you guys need, I got you. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.